Hey, it's Flaves, and this is Climate Changers, a podcast where we celebrate the heroes who are on the front lines of creating a new and sustainable resource and energy economy. Today, my guest is Rowdy Yates from High Plains Biochar. Hi, Rowdy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on here. I've been really excited to be a part of the Climate Changers podcast. Fantastic. Well, let's start at the beginning. What is biochar and how does it work? Um, you know, in simple terms, biochar is charcoal. In fact, most of you have probably made biochar without realizing it. If you've ever had a campfire and woke up the next morning and noticed some uh, chunks of charcoal in the bottom of the fire pit, then you've actually made uh, made biochar yourself. If you've ever burned toast to the point where it's black and smoking in the kitchen in the uh, toaster, uh, you've made biochar yourself. So uh, believe it or not, uh, it's more common than people realize. But in simple terms, it's just a uh, very carbon-rich charcoal that we make. Uh, we typically make it from wood. Would, but you can make it from a lot of different sources. So when I think of uh, a campsite fire, I think of it as putting a lot of smoke in the air and, and probably contributing to climate change, frankly. So how does biochar differ and affect climate warming? Yeah, with that, that's kind of one of the neat things is some of the new technologies that have come out uh, that allow you to create the biochar but do so in a very efficient manner uh, with with the very controlled emissions, minimized emissions, uh, and with our technology, what we're really focusing on is lowering the energy inputs that it takes to do so uh, to, to lower the carbon footprint of the technology itself. So if you look at the energy balance, how much energy does it take to make biochar and how much energy are you left with and what's lost in the process? Basically, in simple terms, about half of the uh, energy uh, is released in the form of wood gas and heat energy that can be utilized for a variety of purposes, and about uh, approximately half is left behind as biochar. Um, if you really dig into it and get more specific, certain technologies require more electricity usage. Some of them um, require fossil fuels for ignition uh, or as for fuel drying. Um, others don't utilize the heat. And that's where when we get into the life cycle analysis uh, on these uh, biochar carbon credits, where they really dig into all the specifics of each operation, each technology, and even down to how far the wood waste was hauled to that location, uh, and then how much of the heat is being utilized. So they really take a lot of those factors into account uh, when they basically account for the total carbon footprint of your biochar operation. But uh, so I hope that helps. There's definitely a lot of factors that are that are looked at there. And uh, like I said, our focus is really trying to find technologies that work on very small amounts of electricity just to make the most energy efficient uh, biochar equipment. We kind of refer to our technology as the Prius uh, of wood chip biochar furnaces. And could you explain how biochar can have a positive impact on global warming? Oh, absolutely. Well, basically, um, the way uh, trees work uh, in general is that throughout their life, they pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and they turn that carbon dioxide into limbs, leaves, roots, and trunks of the tree. Um, and then that carbon, uh, as the tree dies or is cut down, that carbon is released back into the atmosphere, either from you know these wildfires that we typically have where the carbon is released very quickly, or in some cases, if the tree falls down and it decomposes slowly, that carbon dioxide is released back into the atmosphere. But any way you, you slice it, that the it's, it's a big 
perfect circle. The, tr the carbon that the tree removes out of the atmosphere is released back to the uh, back to the atmosphere at some point. So what we do is we we step into that process uh, in the middle of it after the tree has pulled that carbon out of the atmosphere, and we turn that carbon into a stable form of carbon that lasts for thousands of years. Uh, so that allows basically to use the, the the trees to pull the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, and then we just take that carbon that they've already pulled out and turn it into a stable form of carbon that lasts for a lot longer. Is there enough material around to convert biochar to make a dent in global warming? Uh, yes, there absolutely is. Um, we we it, it's quite amazing when you start looking around at the amount of wood waste that we have just in the United States. Um, almost any city that you live in, there's going to be an urban wood waste issue where they're trying to figure out what to do with all the urban wood waste, all the trees that the tree services and the city maintains on places like parkland. What to do with all that wood waste? In the in the past, a lot of that has gone into landfills. A lot of it's been open burned, and now they're trying to figure out other ways to utilize that material. Um, when we get these big catastrophic ice storms, uh, the amount of wood waste that, that is uh, generated is mind-boggling. Um, uh, out here in the western United States, we also have these massive wildfires where we have uh, forests that are building uh, fuels and we're not removing that fuel, and so we're having these massive fires uh, pretty regularly. Um, other parts of the country, like in Nebraska, they have invasive cedars uh, that they're trying to remove from their pastures, uh, and they're trying to figure out what to do with that uh, with that wood. So it's really amazing when you start looking around the country at how we have wood waste available just about everywhere in the country, even in areas that don't necessarily have a lot of trees. And you talked a little already about how you could put this biochar in the soil and effectively trap the carbon for thousands of years. How does the biochar make its way into the soil to begin with? Um, you know, there's a few, uh, quite a few different methods of, of incorporating that. Uh, we work with a lot of composters, so what they do is they add biochar to their compost, and then when the compost is applied uh, to the soils, uh, that's that's how essentially how the biochar gets applied. Uh, that's a really simple way of applying it. It also works really well because that charges the biochar with nutrients and the biology that you need to really take full advantage of that carbon structure and that housing for the microbes that the biochar provides. Um, other applications where we're seeing it are uh, taking a powdered biochar and using it as a seed coating can be really an, an effective way of applying biochar. Um, other methods we've seen are uh, feeding biochar to livestock, where the biochar is actually passed through the animal and it's already in the manure as the manure is incorporated uh, to the soil. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to, to go about it. Um, other, uh, you know, for higher value crop, they're actually going in and, and uh, tilling the soil up and, and, and apl applying the, the biochar manually to the soil. So there's a lot of different methods for kind of getting it. Uh, it down into the ground, but uh, those are a few. An another one that we're seeing more of now is the powdered biochar being applied as a in with liquid fertilizers. Um, so you can actually apply it through a liquid or th through your uh, hydronic system. So there's a lot of different ways to to apply the biochar. Okay, so you just told me that you're feeding biochar to cows. Do you really feed them biochar? Absolutely. Believe it or not, I've actually eaten, been eating biochar for now for about four years uh, every day. But we've done some university trials with the uh, uh, with Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, where we've fed biochar to cows and reduced the amount of methane that they've emitted by, by between 10 and 15 percent. And can you talk a little bit more about this methane impact? Because we know we know that um, you know livestock is a great contributor of, of methane and other greenhouse gases. How does biochar impact the methane? Yeah, we're, we're, we're learning the why about it right now. Um, 
basically you can feed small amounts of biochar uh, to the cattle and we've done uh, like I said trials with the University of Nebraska where they monitor the amount of methane that's being emitted and we're able to reduce that amount of methane fairly significantly um, we're not exactly sure the method behind that because we we know the biochar can absorb the methane with its surface area but the amount of methane that the cattle are producing are far greater than the uh, volume of the biochar that we're feeding which we're just feeding very small amounts so there's another mechanism at at work there and we're, we're seeing some slight differences in the rumen fluid for the biochar from the cattle that are fed biochar and those that aren't um, but that's something that we still need to see more research on moving forward to get a better understanding of exactly what's going on in the digestive system as that biochar goes in we know that it's capturing things like toxins in the digestive system that may improve the efficiency of the digestive system and that may be a part of the benefits that we're seeing there as well so it might actually be healthy for cows and then for you as someone who eats the cows, is it healthy for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, the uh, a lot of our producers that feed biochar, you know, they feel like that their, their cattle are better than organic because they've gone through this uh, detoxification process by feeding the biochar. Um, so there's certainly some benefits there. Uh, we also have producers that see the benefits on the backside where after the, the cow uh, passes the biochar, that can reduce the the toxicity of that patty and that makes it more appealing to the dung beetles which in the dung beetles come in in some of our sustainable farms and actually bury the biochar and the manure down into the soil for you so that's probably uh, you asked about application methods that is by far and away my favorite method of apl application is to feed biochar and then let dung beetles do the actual application into the soil and i've also heard that biochar can be used in different ways for water purity can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Biochar, because uh, because it's kind of a, a carbon sponge, much like an activated carbon, uh, it can be really uh, helpful at grabbing certain uh, types of contamination in water. Uh, we've done some uh, research with the University of Nebraska on green roof projects. So if you add biochar to the media on your green roof, it can actually reduce the amount of contamination that, that's coming off the roof. Um, but biochar is uh, starting to be used pretty widely uh, in areas where you're seeing the algae uh, growing in some of our ponds and we're having these algae blooms that are toxic and they, where our pets are dying and people are getting sick. Um, so biochar can certainly help there. Uh, but biochar can grab a lot of different t types of contamination. I know that it can grab hydrocarbons, things like gasoline, and oils in our uh, in, in water it can also grab certain chemicals that are in water uh, we've done some uh, trials or done some research with atrazine uh, which is a very popular uh, agricultural uh, chemical that's used and that can contaminate water and be very harmful to humans and so we're looking at ways that to use biochar in those type of applications so biochar is kind of a swiss army knife it's got a lot of different purposes it really is it's it's, it's kind of an inter interesting how you can use it in so many ways, but what it really comes down to is it's just, it's almost pure carbon. So we're talking about a product that's typically around 80% carbon. Um, so we have some of the new applications that we're seeing now is they're adding biochar to drywall uh, to reduce the, the carbon footprint of projects, but also to control humidity and certain things in the air. Uh, we're seeing biochar added to concrete uh, where it can make the concrete stronger. But again, that could be part of the, of the carbon footprint of the project so they can add biochar to the concrete in a building to, to make it more green, essentially. And from our prior conversations, I know you're doing this to have an impact, but you're also building a for-profit business. Could you talk a little bit about the business models you're exploring? 
Uh, yes, absolutely. We've uh, we've been involved with uh, making and selling biochar uh, since 2016, um, doing a lot of work with universities on different types of research and kind of learning the industry. As this industry is very new and still still developing, a lot of the markets are developing. Um, so basically, what we've our business model is that we work with people who have things like wood waste available. Um, so we have two different technologies uh, that we can come in and find the right technology that will fit for a customer. Um, and this might be, say, it's a city that has a wood utilization issue and they're trying to figure out how to utilize all the emerald ash borer uh, waste that they're dealing with uh, now that the, uh, the ash borer is killing all their ash trees. Um, so they might contact us, try to figure out a way to utilize all that wood waste also utilize the heat that, that's being generated with the, with the technology, and then also take advantage of the biochar and the carbon credits that are being generated. Uh, this could also mean a smaller scale operation. This might be a cannabis grower in Colorado that wants to market his cannabis as carbon neutral. So he could install uh, one of our small units, uh, heat a greenhouse, utilize some wood waste, or even uh, utilize some of his cannabis waste um, to heat the, the greenhouse generate biochar that they can use as a soil amendment, but also generate these carbon credits. Uh, so biochar is very quickly becoming one of the most uh, popular uh, carbon offset methods around just because it's um, it's not reliant on enormous amounts of energy and the technologies are already, already available. Um, so we're seeing that uh, the biochar carbon credits are starting to sell for over $100 a ton now, and it's really uh, encouraging seeing how many uh, more people are getting on board now that they can actually make money uh, by saving the planet with some of our technologies. That's amazing. And when you look at scaling up, are there any like farmer groups or agricultural groups that you're collaborating with? Um, specifically, we're trying to uh, to to kind of get our first units uh, built and installed right now. Uh, our first unit's going to be going on at a uh, composting facility up in Washington uh, next month. Uh, we have a couple other units that will be going in after that uh, over in Nebraska. So very quickly, we are going to be uh, working with these some of these larger groups, some cannabis grow groups, uh, to to bring this technology out. But for right now, we're kind of working with our early adopters, kind of our influencers at the very uh, beginning. We're offering them some uh, discounts on some of the technology to kind of take this uh, opportunity. And it's worked out really well because what we're finding is that there are a lot of people that if given the technology and the opportunity, they will uh, take the chance and actually make a difference. And I read in your most recent newsletter that you're also looking at exploring a co-op. How would that work? Uh, we are. We've decided um, that one of the best ways to uh, take advantage of some of these uh, highly valued carbon credits that can be generated from biochar is to get as many people involved with it as possible. And to make that impact, we've decided that the co-op model works best for us, and it allows that our users to have ownership uh, in the co-op and to have skin in the game uh, to where it's not like they're working with a large corporation where they're actually part of the of the group that's making a difference. And we feel like that that model re works really well in the agricultural community um, and regenerative agriculture is really our focus. Um, so we are building the first uh, biochar co-op um, that's going to be uh, with help from the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Uh, but that will allow our users to take their small amounts of carbon credits that they're each generating and we're going to uh, take all those carbon credits and put them together, verify them, and then market them as one group uh, to make it much easier uh, to get paid for these carbon credits versus an individual producer that might only be producing five or ten tons of, uh, of biochar per year to actually try to market that small amount of carbon credits on his own. Well, you're, you're at the cutting edge of a new industry that, frankly, most people haven't heard about. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning, I've learned more today about biochar than, than my entire 
rest of my life. Um, with that in, as context, what makes you hopeful for the future and the role that biochar is going to play in solving the climate crisis? You know, what, what, what makes me really hopeful about biochar is, um, you know, there are a lot of other technologies that are that are coming out there that, that have challenges, but biochar doesn't have some of those challenges because we're working with nature. We're working with trees and there are trees almost everywhere on the planet. So when we can work with nature to pull the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and give uh, people different choices for technologies for how to, how to go about that, I really think that uh, we can create a grassroots movement uh, that's actually making a big impact uh, just because we're giving people that opportunity where normally uh, in the past biochar production has been either reserved for these really large operations that are you know multi-million dollars and people just haven't had that opportunity and i think that the small-scale biochar production is going to be one of the first opportunities that people really have to make a difference you know um, we can reuse grocery bags we can buy a prius and we can buy an electric car but that's really not removing carbon from the atmosphere and when you take um, some of this new biochar technology that's becoming available people can actually remove carbon from the atmosphere. And that's a pretty big shift. And if they can remove that carbon from the atmosphere while heating a building or heating a greenhouse or making use of that heat and also make some money on the carbon credit and the biochar side, we think that's really going to be appealing where people can actually make a difference and get paid in the process, which hasn't been possible until now. You know, in Colorado, you guys have legislative support for biochar. Um, you have a thriving biochar industry. You have an entire wood utilization team with the Colorado State Forestry Division. So there are a lot of people uh, pushing towards uh, biochar in, in places like Colorado. Uh, and, and that could be really a great opportunity for some of these small-scale producers to come in and find sources of waste that can be utilized, um, find some opportunities to, to use that biochar in their own soil or to sell that biochar, uh, ways to utilize the heat and then kind of the carbon credits or the icing on the cake that really uh, is, is makes people feel good about what they're doing. Well, Rowdy, thank you for being a pioneer and using biochar to trap carbon and put it to so many uses and uses that will have an impact on climate. And thank you for joining this episode of Climate Changers. Oh, perfect, Ryan. Thank you so much for having us. And we look forward to uh, hearing all the, uh, the next episodes coming up because it's really exciting uh, hearing about all the different angles that people are approaching this problem with. Every episode of Climate Changers has a call to action posted in the show notes. Each call to action has been curated to make it easy for you to help create the changes that we discussed today. Thank you for joining Climate Changers. Until next time.